Do you have a creative business but are struggling to get enough customers or clients to actually make enough money to enjoy your business? Come join me for a free live planning workshop where I will share the roadmap to get more leads and more profits in your business without running yourself to the ground. If you started this year with good intentions but are not getting the results you want and need, you really don't want to miss this free workshop. Now, there won't be a replay, so you must show up live to join the training. Register now at nataliewalton.com forward slash roadmap. That's nataliewalton.com forward slash roadmap. There's a really beautiful little walk through the bush to the back beach. It takes, you know, 15 minutes to get to the back beach and then back. And I just, that walk to me, there's something about it. I know it's like the absolute opposite side of the world from where I grew up, but it feels like I'm home. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello everyone, welcome to Imprint. I'm very excited to have today's guest here with me today. She is actually a return guest and I have had many of you recommend and suggest that I invite her back to the podcast. So I would like to welcome Courtney Adamo, who is a good friend and someone that I've started a new and exciting project with, which we will talk about a little bit later. But first of all, I guess we should just pick up where we left left off last time. Courtney's was one of the first interviews that I did for the podcast. And back then I had photographed her home for my book, Still the Slow Home. And um, I'm just trying to think actually even how long ago that was now, Courtney. Do you remember how many years ago that was that we would have done that photo shoot at your place? I think that had to have been at least four or five years ago. Yeah. Must have been. Yeah. So a lot has changed since yeah. since then. Um, I think at that stage, um, you didn't even have an idea of renovating a beach house. So we're going to talk about all things renovations, building your homes that you love. So yeah, I guess what gave you the idea in the first place that you wanted to look for a beach home? Oh, gosh. This is a big question. I haven't actually thought about it. It's funny how those sort of um, journeys evolve naturally. I think we had started thinking that we we would like to have a small beach house that we could use and put up on Airbnb. So we obviously live in a a house. It's quite like a little cottage, and it's in Bangalore, which is a really charming little town but it's 15 minutes from the ocean and we don't have a great outlook in terms of a view from our windows so it's a really cute charming little house but it's it's kind of you don't it, it's funny because we're, we're so close to the beach and yet you don't really feel like it in that house and so I think we started to just like the idea of maybe having a small place we could go for weekends that was close to the ocean. So just having that connection to the ocean, um, 
obviously we liked the idea of our kids being able to grab a surfboard and run out to the beach. And so we started looking at a town about an hour south of us called Yamba. And we just started, I guess, keeping our eyes out. But that, you know, it was it was really just an idea, kind of a, a not really anything set in stone. And so that's sort of how it started. And then, you know, I think it was probably a year of just looking and thinking and talking about it occasionally. And then we started to plan some trips down to this town just to really get a feel, a better feel for it and a better feel for exactly where we'd want to buy a beach house. And I don't know, I don't know how much you want me to explain because the whole process of how we actually found what we ended up with was really almost luck and a bit of magic. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think sometimes though, the best houses are that combination. And it's funny, I just will touch on this point because I do think it's interesting that I find myself saying the same thing. So we live, which is where we're recording today, we live five minutes out of Bangalore. And so for us to go to the beach, it's a 20 minute drive. Mm. Now, if you talk to anybody in Sydney and say, I live a 20 minute drive from the beach and oh, that's so far. Like it takes 20 minutes sometimes to get like five minutes up the road at any other time when you're living in Sydney. I mean, I remember when we lived in Bondi Beach and I could walk to Bondi Junction, which is where the train station was, and that would probably be a good half hour walk, if not 40 minutes. But in the car, you know, like it's it's just like distances are so different when you live in the country because mm. it's 20 minutes of driving at pretty much 80 kilometers an hour or, yes. you know, so it's a very different dynamic and it does yeah. have a different feel depending on where you live. So I do think that's kind of interesting and just important for people to understand that it might sound strange to say we live 15 minutes from the beach, yes. but we don't feel connected to the beach. No, um, it's, just, it's just a different feeling, isn't it? It it doesn't feel like beachy vibe no. where we live. No. It feels like hinterland, you know, countryside, and it's beautiful for many reasons. But yeah, we just started to kind of want something a bit closer to the ocean with yeah. that kind of vibe. So then tell us about, um, you know, go into detail and share a little bit more about, so you were kind of keeping your eye on places to sort of think, and I guess you were probably sort of filtering a little bit and thinking about, yeah, we want that. No, that's not quite right. What were some of the things that were coming up for you then? And then how did you then find the place that you've got now? Well, I think we really, we really wanted to have be really close to the ocean. We thought if we're going to do this, you really want to maybe hopefully see the ocean ideally and things were really above our budget when we started to look in this little town I was speaking of just before and we also decided that in this little town there was just this kind of one part that we wanted to be in and of course that was the most expensive part to buy in so I don't know we just we were just still kind of thinking and and seeing what our options were and and then it was literally like one night on a sofa with our laptops on our lap that we said, well, what about this town of mini water, which is where we had been camping before. And it's this really beautiful little town. Um, it's 25 minutes off the highway. So it's furthest off the highway of any of these East coast Australian towns, which makes it really nice and quiet. And it's surrounded by national park and like I said, we had camped there a few times and just found it so beautiful. And it also has this really sweet little general store where you can get, so it's kind of like 
camping with bonuses because you can camp really pretty um, basic and then um, go and get a nice coffee for breakfast. <laughs> um, so it's like um, it's a bit like camping with that bonus of having a really cute general store there to get your food. So we really liked this little area and we just said, well, what about buying or looking for a house to buy there? And so Literally that night, we looked for houses for sale in Miniwater and we found one listing that was like a private listing for sale by owner. And um, we called him and he said he could show us the next day, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. He was showing a few other people. And so we were, you know, while he was on the phone, Michael and I were kind of having a conversation saying, should we, should we not? I don't know. Should we not go? Like, do we want to drive all the way there? And we made the decision to just go see it. And we figured all oh, like the worst case, we'll just spend a beautiful day in this, um, by the beach there. And, um, so we decided to go. And at that time there was one photo and it was blurry and completely out of focus, but you could kind of see the ocean in this photo. So that was all we knew of it. And we drove down to go and have a look. And I don't know how detailed you want this story to be, but it, it, it's one of those situations in life that you, you can really see how beautiful and lucky it was with the hindsight that I have now. I just think, what if we didn't go, you know, or what if it was forecasted to have been a rainy day and then we would have thought oh I don't want to drive all the way there and I wouldn't have spent this day at the beach and it was like our stars aligned and it was this beautiful glorious day and we pulled up at this address and it's this old fisherman shack overlooking the ocean on this bluff above this bay and it is so beautiful and it was July. So the humpback whales were everywhere. There was probably, you couldn't look out to the ocean without seeing at least five at a time. And they were doing this thing where they have their fin and it looks like they're waving at you and, you know, the mothers with their babies and they were jumping and splashing on their back. And there were flower, the purple flowers along this bluff were in bloom. And honestly, like if unicorns existed, they would have been walking down the street. Like it was like magic from every angle. And so anyway, this guy, he showed, he had, he had to show a few other families the house. And so we had to wait our turn, our turn. And then it finally came to us and the kids were running up and down and finding seashells on the beach and running up and showing him. And then the kids were pointing out all the whales. And I just think that this, this owner of the house really took a liking to our family. And he, I think he really wanted to sell the house to a family that like us. And, um, and so we had a really nice conversation. He showed us the house and, and then we went and spent the day at the beach and Michael and I just kept looking at each other like, we just have to make this happen. I, I don't know how, but we're just going to have to buy this house. We can't not buy it. And that um, owner called us that evening on our drive back up to, to Byron and said he'd received two offers from two of the people he showed to previously. But um, if we wanted it, he'd rather sell it to us. And so if we could just... Um, go a bit higher than those offers, then it would be ours. And so we just 
on the phone said, okay. <laughs> and it was like that. And so by the end of that day, we had agreed to buy this little amazing, wonderful spot that we just feel so, so, so grateful to, to have gotten the chance to buy. Yeah. It's, it's amazing those kind of experiences where it just feels like everything aligns. I had something similar where, um, when we were living in Sydney, we were living in a very, very small terrace. Like it had two bedrooms upstairs. That was it. The bathroom was downstairs and we knew exactly what we were looking for. And then one day I saw the for sale sign come up on this house at the other end of the street. It was like a six meter wide terrace. It was North facing and it was literally the same street and it was just ticked all the boxes. It was like, okay, we've just got to make this happen because like, this just is everything. We love the area and, and it did happen. So yeah, I think sometimes like you kind of get that gut feeling about a place Mm, that, you know, it just feels right for you and your family and the stage that you're at in your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it was really wonderful. But then you then went on a, a very long journey yes. to making this space or this home your home. Yeah. And we would have, um, you know, weekly walks and go on the lighthouse walk in, in Byron for those of you who know it. And, and I heard all about the trials and tribulations of Courtney's um, renovation project. But it's really a new build project. So yeah. do you want to share a little bit about for one, why you decided to knock down and rebuild. And then secondly, um, a little bit about that process of, you know, why it stretched out for so long. Yeah. So we sort of knew from that very first day of um, seeing this property that it probably needed to be torn down. It's all asbestos and, um, we didn't know it at the time, but the timber was completely rotten from termites. So after they had taken the asbestos off, they, the, even the neighbors said they couldn't believe that the actual timber structure was still standing. It was that badly, um, termite ridden. Um, the septic had to be replaced anyway. There was no indoor plumbing, like the there was kind of no redeeming value of this house. I mean, there did, there was some, some redeeming pieces. So we ended up paying a company to come in to first take away any of the materials that could be reused or repurposed. Um, so windows and doors, and there was a really beautiful, like mid-century um, staircase in the back that was really cool. And so they took that away and I'm, and they repurposed that so that we felt good about that. And then the rest of it, the asbestos was obviously dealt with correctly. You have to get a whole team in to come and take the asbestos away. And then, um, I think the building probably fell over with a tiny push of a finger when it came time to knocking it down. So that was actually pretty exciting for us. We've always in, in previous projects, renovated old homes and we've always really loved to restore an old home and to kind of honor the era of that house um and we would have done that if we could have with this but it was really just not even um, a possibility and so it actually then opened up a lot of opportunity for us to create a home that we really love and that really suits our family and 
I was able then to start drawing inspiration from my family's um, beach house that where I spent my childhood summers. And, and so I was able to, this idea of sort of recreating that for my own kids started to come about. And, and obviously it was incredibly exciting to be able to do that. Um, like you said, uh, there were many, many, many challenges of this process. And I don't even know where you want me to begin with that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe um, if you could give a little bit of a context, because obviously, um, you know, other people in other parts of the world wouldn't necessarily know about the floods or the La Nina. And, you know, yes. I mean, that was definitely a big part of it. The yeah. material shortages as a part of COVID, which I think people all around the world have experienced that. Yes. So do you want to just sort of touch on some of those kind of main big points, why, you know, this project took much longer than what you anticipated? Well, I think it goes even earlier than that. So we made some big mistakes that we, and we learned a lot from, you know, we rushed into hiring an architect who wasn't right for the job and ending up with designs we weren't happy with and having to pay for revisions that, um, in the end we still weren't happy with. And so we ended up switching architects. So that was, you know, I think we ended up, um, losing around $10,000 just on that mistake and about three months of our time. So it was a pretty big mistake to make the very start. And, um, and then finally we got our designs and then we had them had to have them approved by the council. And that was all pretty straightforward, but then it came time to hiring a builder and we made mistakes again, not having done really our due diligence and research. So we wanted to hire a local builder because we really liked the idea of someone who was close to the site and the ease of their location. And we'd had really great recommendations from them, but it ended up that this builder just didn't work in the way that we work. Michael's a real spreadsheet guy. He's really, really into the detail and when you send him a budget or a quote, he wants it to be itemized and very detailed. And, and this builder just didn't work in that way. They sent over very vague estimates and, and they didn't really want to go into detail. So we ended up wasting about two or three months going through the whole process with that builder only to find out that they, they weren't right for the job. So then we had to find another builder. And at that point, then all the materials were um, it, we, everyone was experiencing huge shortages of those materials. So there were delays to get them. So we finally found a builder and then we had to wait four months to start because we couldn't even get that timber for the initial framing for four months. So again, it was a whole delay of waiting for materials. And as everyone will know, who's done a renovation or a building project in the last two or three years, the um, prices were hiked up. And so everything became suddenly more expensive. So even though we had been to, you know, for example, we had been to this company to, um, talk about timber windows and doors. And of course the cost for those timber windows and doors after that six to eight month delay then ended up being way more. And it was the, that it was, that was actually really common with almost everything that we had initially budgeted for. And so materials were in delay. They were a lot more expensive. And then on top of all of that, we happened to have had the rainiest year on record. It was a La Nina year. We had two really major devastating floods 
and it honestly felt like it we didn't it didn't stop raining like I think there were maybe 10 dry days <laughs> um over a six month period which if you're building a house is probably the worst weather you can get <laughs> yeah um and so that was just another issue for us yeah I remember we, with our walks, we just went, you know what, we're just going to have to wear raincoats because we're never going to wait to this, for this weather to clear. Um, okay. So obviously that kind of gives a bit of context about, you know, why the project took so long, Yeah. but what were some of the big design considerations? Obviously you said that it was influenced by your family's home, but you know, you've got your own family in terms of the number of people and thinking about how you wanted to, um, design it for use, you know, the functionality can you just sort of touch on some of like the key things that were like these are our must-have elements yeah so in terms of the design we did want it to be um have sort of a mid-century feel I think the biggest the biggest kind of driving force of that was that in this area all of the homes have flat roofs they're all kind of 1940s 1950s fibro shacks they all have flat roofs so you're to be, if you if we were to have built you know for example like a Hampton style beach house or like um, a cool A frame um, type of house it would have stuck out like a you know a sore thumb it would have been completely incongruous with the um, the surrounding architecture and it just wouldn't have fit so we knew we needed a, wanted to have a flat roof and we tried to build a home that felt like it fit where it is and then I wanted it to feel very mid-century that's just based on my family's um beach house that was built in the 50s and is so special to to my family so those were sort of the design and the kind of look and the feel but we then had very specific you know goals for the house we knew that it was going to be a holiday and weekend home for us we also knew that we would be sharing it with friends very often so the whole idea was for us to be able to invite friends down for a weekend, to be able to spend two or three days with friends and get to know them on a beautiful kind of deeper level. And so we knew this was a house we'd be sharing. And so that again came into play in terms of how many bedrooms we wanted, um, how the bathrooms were laid out. So both of the bathrooms, we have two bathrooms, one downstairs, one upstairs, and they're all divided into sort of specific uses. So there's sliding doors between where you wash your hands. There's a sliding door to go into the toilet. And then there's a sliding door to go into the shower and um, bath wet area. And so that that's, you know, one bathroom downstairs, but can be used by several people at the same time. So that's knowing that we were going to have friends and it would be two families. We also wanted it to have two rooms to have the ocean views. So it would kind of feel like you have two primary bedrooms so that um, both couples would be able to, to enjoy that sort of, um, special kind of master bedroom. Um, and, um, what other considerations did we, did we make? Oh, well, of course we knew that we would be surfing a lot and using the ocean. And so we knew we wanted to have an outside shower to wash all the sand off of us and the the salt, the salt water. And we wanted a big sink to wash wetsuits. We have a little tap at the bottom of the shower for just washing sandy feet. So even if you don't want to shower, you can wash your feet. 
So we needed an um, area. We actually were forced to do a garage. So we, we're not people that need to keep our car in a garage. We don't have one where we currently live. So we actually didn't even want to have that space. But the council forces you to have to build a garage. And um, it was actually really then good because we were able to have somewhere to store all the surfboards and our sea kayak and the stand up paddleboard and Easton's fishing rods and all of those things that you actually need. Um, and so it's a kind of like a really, you know, useful spot for that. So those were all considerations, I guess, that we made at that initial, at, at that initial stage of, you know, designing the house. I remember as well you saying that you wanted it to be like a robust house, that if it's a house that, you know, you're coming off the beach with sandy feet, that the floors can withstand that, that, you know, if you're having guests, you want to have a home that's durable enough to kind of withstand having guests. They were some kind of considerations as well, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. And another thing I forgot to mention is that um, we so initially I started obviously straight away on Pinterest. You know, we found this property, we agreed to buy it, and like that day in the car driving home, I'm on Pinterest looking at beach houses, and I remember seeing you know the most beautiful beach houses in Tasmania. You know, there's Captain's Rest, and there's all these other really beautiful, you know, basically like sea cottages, and initially that's my style. That's the kind of style I've renovated my previous homes. And it's the style of our current home in Bangalore. It's a really quaint old 120 something year old cottage. And so I was initially attracted to the idea of building a home that basically looked like a cottage on the sea. But we, I remember my husband saying, oh, wouldn't it be cool if this house felt actually entirely different than the house where we live. And, and that again, really helped dictate, um, the design that we went with because it really does feel almost like 180 degree difference to the home that we live in. And, um, yeah, so that was another deciding kind of factor for us. So what about now, now that you've gone through all the trials and the tribulations dealt with all of the stuff that goes with that, what do you love about the house now? And maybe some things that are kind of a little bit unexpected. You know, when you when you finish a space, you can kind of sit in certain spots. I find this and it's like, oh, like I really love the way that I can get this outlook. And it's not always a thing that you expect. You can't no. always anticipate all those things in the design process as much as you hope that you will get those magic moments. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things we love about this house. It's so, I mean, you, we could have, we could have built anything on that piece of property and it would have been special just by nature of where it is and the beautiful land that it's on and the view that it has. And so um, that in itself, just being there is so magical and and so special, just having that connection to nature, the, the you know, exactly what we what I was saying that drove us to wanting a beach house, just that feeling of the ocean. And you're really reminded of you're, you're reminded of how alive you are when you're there. It's, there's something so grounding about it. You're aware of the tides and when they're coming up and when they're going down and you watch the sun come up, it's faced facing East. So you watch the sun come up and the birds start to make their sounds and, and you're so aware of the weather elements. The wind is such a factor there because of course it, you know, it, 
it, it hits you. You There's no protection from any sort of wind or those elements. And so you just feel really connected to nature and Earth's rhythms, which I really love. There's a really beautiful little walk through the bush to the back beach. It takes, you know, 15 minutes to get to the back beach and then back. And I just, that walk to me, there's something about it. I know it's like the absolute opposite side of the world from where I grew up, but it feels like I'm home. I feel my grandmother there. I, it's so strange. I feel my mom. Like I, it's, it's just this really beautiful walk. I try to do it every day that I'm there. I think I've missed maybe two days. It's, it's just so special for me to do that walk and brings me, um, a lot of joy. And, um, yeah, I mean, the home itself is, is so, I mean, we're so it's, it's so funny. Cause you know, we, we just sat there and spoke about all the challenges that we faced, but I swear the second we got the keys on December 9th, I walked in that house and I forgot them all. I mean, Michael has a harder time forgetting a lot because he <laughs> stresses about the money, which is a hard thing to forget about. You know, we've, we've got a bit of financial pressure now to try to be able to afford this house and um, the mortgage that we're paying. And so he doesn't forget those challenges of going massively over budget and um, over schedule. But um, I have the privileged position of um, not stressing as much about money because he does all the stressing. So I have forgotten all of those challenges and those, you know, I mean, it's just amazing how you can lose so much sleep, or at least I do, thinking about which tile to use, which lighting fixture to use. I mean, I remember having you come over to help me with lighting because I'd pretty much lost my mind and was losing sleep. And then I, the lack of sleep was impacting my decision-making. And it was like all these like really frustrating, um, situations and you finally make all these decisions and you build this house and you get in there and it's like, you don't even think about them again. It's like, you've got this, these beautiful lights that you've stressed over, but actually I don't even really think about them, but I know they're so important making the overall space feel so special, but yeah, it's just, the the feeling in that home and i think also a testament to the architect who designed the house it's designed really really well for the position and the outlook that it has we have these six giant pine trees on our property it's like a corner block and um they did a really beautiful job of incorporating those pine trees into the layout of the house and the views from the windows so so out of some windows, you see these beautiful Norfolk pines and out of some windows, you see the ocean and out of some windows, you see a bit of both. And it's really it. Yeah, it, I think it's a real testament to their design because they've just done a really beautiful job with that. So on our walks, as you were going through the trials and tribulations, and I was going through my own trials and tribulations with a different design project that I was working on, we started to share and explore this idea of, you know, we've learned so many lessons on our journeys to renovating. And I think each project brings a whole host of new lessons. And, um, and so we sort of started to ruminate on this idea of, you know, is there a way that we can share this with other people in some way? And, um, and that's what we've done. We have created a new podcast 
called Renovation Ready and a website and we've got some exciting things coming your way. We've got a um, a guide that we created, the Rena Rulebook, which uh, outlines we had a massive brainstorm like what are the biggest lessons that we've learned across all our projects and so that is in that free resource for you for those of you who are interested and I'll put all the links in the show notes but for now just to give people a little bit of a taste can you share maybe you know a couple of the biggest lessons that you learned on that project oh my gosh I mean the lessons are <laughs> um, countless Um, Michael always jokes that it's really a shame that this is probably a once in a lifetime experience for us because we have all this really valuable information and experience and all the lessons we've learned and, and basically, um, we should get it out there. So this is really good why we're, that we're doing this because we're sharing these hard earned lessons that we've learned. I would stress definitely probably the biggest mistake we made and biggest lesson we learned is to start planning as early as possible and to define your brief as clearly and as early as you can. Like I said before, we made a lot of mistakes with architects and builders not knowing exactly what, um, what we wanted. And, you know, you can't expect these professionals to just read your mind, you know, so you really have to start planning and thinking about it, um, as soon as you possibly can. And that helps to, to, make sure that the process goes smoothly. Um, (laughs) I mean, there's, I I think, you know, there's so many tips I could share in terms of managing budget. You know, it's not my strength. That was really Michael's job throughout the whole process. But he, like I said, is a spreadsheet guy. He's incredibly organized and detailed. He had weekly budget meetings with the building company and went over every single itemized cost that we had to pay and um, was very aware of the budget and how it was tracking throughout the whole thing. Of course, it ended up going over, um, but at least we were aware, I guess, as it did. And, you know, obviously there were there were issues and, you know, we were unhappy with ha- that it did go over. But you know, had we not been that kept on track of things and been that organized, it would have been disastrous. So, um, those, we definitely learned a lot of lessons when it came to budgeting. Um, we, I mean, gosh, there's so many things, you know, we, we really wanted to design an eco-friendly house. And I think we did in many ways, but a lot of the decisions that we wanted to make on the fly we couldn't have we couldn't make because they weren't part of the original design so we created so we have hemp walls in our house which was is really cool because hemp is a really eco material and those walls are really natural and sustainable and they have really great benefits like regulating temperature and keeping you know your home insulated and they're fireproof and they have a beautiful smell and texture. And, um, we would have liked to put more hemp walls throughout the process, but that wasn't a consideration we made when we were designing it with the architect. So a hemp wall is really thick and it's much thicker than your typical normal, you know, timber and chip rock wall. So we couldn't do that. We were really limited to where we could do that. And then 
we discovered this beautiful product called Dura Panels, you know, through at, at, at what we thought was a very early stage in the building. And we thought, great, we're going to use these Dura Panels. They're, in, they're made of straw. They're really eco-friendly material. And of course, we couldn't do that because, again, the thickness of those Dura Panels was didn't match or wouldn't have worked with the design of the house in terms of the thickness of the walls. And so we couldn't use those. So while we have done, we have designed and built uh, as as sustainably as we could have, there were still things that we could have done better. And so I I really feel like again we we should have thought about that before. And even you know we rushed through. This is I I have a really bad tendency to want to rush through the process just because I want to reach my end goal really quickly, and we rushed through the design process with the architects because I was really wanting to get the DA approved through the council. But once that DA is approved through the council, you can't actually change things. Like you can't change the size of your windows and doors, for example, or you can't just like add a window because it suddenly you think it would look good while you're building. And so, you know, there weren't too many things that I wished I could have changed, but definitely some things that had we given a bit more thought to early on, we would have, we would have done better. So for those of you who are planning to renovate one day or love all things home and creating a beautiful home, we really encourage you and invite you across to a new podcast that we have created together. And we're very much breaking down all of these lessons that we've both learned, all of the things that you need to know to get your home renovation right. And we look forward to connecting with you there. Thank you so much, Courtney, for, for joining me today and sharing a little bit more about your project. And um, thank you. Thank you for having me. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. Imprint.